What we're going to get into today is something that's actually going to be a series that I'm going to talk about probably for the next month. But it is very, very, very crucial for us in our lives. So what we're going to do is we're going to dive into, as I said, one of the most essential and overlooked aspects of our lives, and that's spiritual warfare. What spiritual warfare is, who the combatants are, what the weapons are, their mission, our mission, and the ultimate outcome for all involved according to Scripture. Now, many people disregard spiritual warfare because of ignorance, fear, or unbelief. But humans have no choice because their lives are already in the trenches of the spiritual fray from birth through death whether they like it or not, whether we like it or not. The prevalent problem is that all lost human beings and most Christians do not know how to train for and quarrel within the realm of spiritual warfare that affects our lives every moment of every day. If you do not believe in it, feel that it is irrelevant or does not concern you, then you are already losing the battle. Satan has already deceived you by one or more of their relentless means of divine combat. Do you not understand that we are at war? All of us. All you have to do is open your eyes and see the havoc that is being wreaked upon mankind, upon society, upon the church, upon our bodies, and upon our minds. If people cannot see the evil fog that is slowly choking the life out of this world and the people therein, then they are blind fools or ignorant or both. Our perceptions have to be beyond the physical, temporal realm and see the forces at work behind it in the supernatural one. These unseen, wicked enemies who are greater than any that mankind has ever known. Is God unseen? Yes. So if we believe in God, we have to believe in the forces that are trying to destroy us. These unseen, wicked enemies who are greater than any that mankind has ever known. You cannot win a war if you don't know who you struggle against. Now God's blueprint is reaching the final points of his great plan for humanity. And we are thankful for that. And we are living in a blessed time that no other human beings have been before. You have to understand that this life is your boot camp. It's the training ground and it's the preparation for the day that we return with our Lord Jesus to rule and reign with him on this earth. Turn to Revelation 19. Revelation 19, 11 through 16. Now I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse. And he who sat on him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. 
He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen. Let's pray that Jesus comes soon to take us home. But as we wait intently for the call to come up here by our Lord Jesus, we must do as God commanded in Ezekiel 33. We are to stand watch as watchmen on the wall. In Matthew 26, 40 through 41, it says, Then Jesus returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Could you men not keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Listen to me. I cannot stress this enough, everyone. I, I am so emphatic about this. Please hear me. We have to comprehend that we are not dealing with human beings that you can negotiate with or come to a peace agreement with. We can't. This is not Vietnam or Iraq where you can pull troops out of. Also, you can't make this enemy surrender. The devil and his ilk are unyielding and will never give up assailing you in every aspect of your life. Like any military, they seek to find the opponent's weak spot and manipulate it. And they do so maliciously. They hate you. They will kill you if they can. They hate and want to decimate all of us. They will do anything and everything necessary to keep you from either coming to know Jesus Christ as your Savior or for strengthening your relationship with Him. They seek to keep you from preaching His gospel to the lost. Everyone who is lost is an enemy of God, but once they give their hearts to Christ, they become a child of God, saved by the blood of Jesus. Then Satan, who was once their father, is now their adversary and wants nothing more than to terminate them and you with every means in his arsenal. He's going to throw everything at you. The battle lines have been drawn, and nobody is untouchable in this conflict. No one. No one. So as a watchman and a soldier, take up your cross in one hand, God's word in the other, wrap yourself with the banner of Jesus Christ and gird yourself with God's armor and get ready to fight for the souls of men. That's the attitude we're supposed to have as Christian soldiers. Turn to Genesis 3. Genesis 3, 1 through 7. Genesis 3, 1 through 7 says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Satan deceived Eve, and Adam sinned. The devil has been at this from the beginning, and he will not stop. 
He wars against humanity, against heaven, and against God. Revelations 12, 7-9 says, And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world, he was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Jesus Christ will end the war that was started by Satan, the world, and the flesh. But while we wait for the day of our Lord, we must be prepared to fight the good fight of faith and never give ground to the enemy, ever. Galatians five sixteen through 19 says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. Our body and our mind is the battlefield where the chaos for our souls is waged, everyone. This is the battlefield. That's the battlefield, the battlefield. Matthew eleven twelve. Jesus said, From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. So what parts do we as Christians play in this battle for the eternal souls of mankind? Spiritual warfare and the Christ-given mission to make disciples of all nations have to be intertwined. Jesus tells us in Mark 16, 15, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. And Paul tells us in Ephesians 6, 10-13, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. We must preach the gospel, but we must also fight and defend it with our physical and spiritual lives. 1 Peter 3, 13-17 says, And who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Having a good conscience, that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile you, your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. For it is better, if it is the will of God, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Who cares what people say about you? If you are acting like Christ, you're honoring God. Let people say what they want. Every aspect of modern culture is engaged in the midst of a spiritual clash with the eternal souls of all humanity hanging in the balance. But sadly, most people don't even know that it exists. Christianity is not only about securing a place in heaven after death, but also obeying Jesus Christ as God warriors, bold in the word, and we are to go and make disciples of all nations for him because of what he did for us. 2 Timothy 2, 1-4 says, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. 
No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. As Christian soldiers, we have and we will face many trials that will hinder us. But they will also be used by God to toughen us up in the campaign for the gospel of Christ. That's why we go through these things. But many Christians have been propagandized by the enemy or are false converts duped into belief in a false Jesus. Just look at the state of the Christian church today. God's word has been decimated and replaced by false doctrine and damning theology that is sending falsely professed Christians, quote unquote, to hell every single minute. It is also keeping true believers pinned down to the ground in sin and ineffectiveness for the call of Christ. People are led blindly by the ignorance of not reading scriptures and not studying to show themselves approved. Are you reading your Bible? They are following false pastors and teachers straight towards a cliff that leads to the lake of fire. Do not underestimate the foul men of this world who follow Satan. When in a war, the most successful tactic that military leaders use is to divide and conquer, right? We have seen it in this country with our schools, government, society, and churches. Corrupt men with their ungodly agendas sneaking in as so to disrupt and destroy these institutions from within. No one can say I'm wrong about that because that's all we talk about. And that's all that we see. Why is our government shut down right now? Because corrupt men are playing corrupt games. Are people that naive to think that Satan and his army would not recruit, train, and implement their goals by placing evil men in government, schools, churches, and in the pulpits? Absolutely they are naive because that's what's happening all over this country. You know, if you want to be like the three monkeys and cover your eyes and ears and your mouth then go ahead. Then you've already lost. That's why scripture tells us to watch out for wolves in sheep's clothing. Matthew 7, 15. Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. We are in a battle for everlasting souls for all human beings, you guys. Not just our own. Jesus Christ, our Lord himself, sent us into the battle. Matthew 28, 18 through 20 says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Christ also sent us to rescue uh, others from the enemy. Acts 26.18 says to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. We should be progressively striving to penetrate enemy-held territory. Where's that territory? Everywhere. Our country, this world, this state, this town. Your home, your mind, and your body. No one is exempt or immune from these encounters. No one. But that doesn't give you an excuse to say the devil made me do it. No, you were tempted. You did it. The sin is yours. We are in the spiritual firefight for our lives on a daily basis 
as the enemy manipulates common things and situations to keep Christians from walking in the spirit and the unsaved still damned to hell. They want the lost to never hear of Christ and they want the Christian to forget about Jesus. And they're very good at doing both. Very good. Our enemies will place obstacles to hinder you being where God wants you to be. Paul, for example, wanted to see those at the church in Thessalonica, but Satan blocked his path. 1 Thessalonians 2.18 says, Wherefore we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. People will also act illogically, irrationally, and mockingly towards you. They will say you're indoctrinated, you're crazy, you're brainwashed, you're out of touch, etc. You know, I'm sure all of us may have heard that a time or two. I'm going to give you an example. In Acts 16, 16 through 18, it says, As we were on our way to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who was possessed by a spirit of divination. And she brought her owners much gain by her fortune telling. She kept following Paul and us, shouting loudly, These men are the servants of the Most High God. They announce to you the way of salvation. She was mocking them. And she did this for many days. Then Paul being sorely annoyed and worn out. He finally got tired of it. He turned and said to the spirit within her, I charge you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out at that very moment. How much power is in the name of Jesus Christ? All power. All power. But sadly, problems can and will develop between brothers and sisters in Christ. Another uh, incident was with Paul and Barnabas in Acts 15 where they got very heated about John Mark who was Barnabas' nephew. And Paul said, no, he left us before he's not ready. It says the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another and so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. If there's any issues between brothers and sisters in Christ, you've got to get past those. You've got to go to one another, the scripture says, and bury that hatchet. You've got to get past it. You can't have dissension. You can't have brothers and sisters at each other's throat. There can't be tension and there can't be strife in the church. What does that do? That splits churches. That causes people to go to other churches. That causes people to fall out of fellowship. That's not showing the brotherly love to our brothers and sisters of Christ that Jesus commanded us to do, does it? Also, marital and family problems can increase and intensify, and you and your family members will experience intense emotional stress at times. Also, the physical health of you and your family members may also be impaired. I think all of us have had stress. All of us had emotional issues. All of us have had family issues. All of us have had sickness and disease and things that impair us. Philippians 2, 25-30 says, Yet I considered it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need, since he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. For indeed he was sick almost unto death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore I sent him the more eagerly, and when you see him again, you may rejoice, and I may be less sorrowful. Receive him therefore the Lord with all gladness, and hold such men in esteem, because of the work of Christ, he came close to death, not regarding his life to supply what was lacking in your service towards me. 
God has mercy on all of us. All of us. Now as you lay at home or in the hospital bed and that door slowly creeps open and that ugly head of doubt comes in and the demons are sitting there telling you as you're lying there, Christian, where's God? Where's the healing He promised you? You won't be healed. Why would God allow this to happen to you? You're going to die, so just give up. Do not let the spirit of doubt and fear overtake you and do not let a doctor tell you how long you have to live. Ever. Only God knows your beginning and end in this human life. He's the only one. You disregard that. Or how about the Christian who's caught up in sin and has fallen out of fellowship with the Lord? Constantly being bombarded with the thoughts that they can never get out of the sins in which they are bound. Taunted by thoughts that God will not forgive them. Christian, are you serious? You are already forgiven. You are already made well. Rebuke these dark forces with the name and power of the almighty Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rebuke them with the blood and saving grace of Jesus our Lord. Cry it out. Rebuke them. Do not back down and do not let the enemies of God defeat you. We are and always will be under attack. Always. 1 Peter 5.8 Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Peter knew this all too well. In Matthew 16.21-23 From that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised on the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. But Christ turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of men. Jesus saw beyond Peter. He saw the supernatural forces at work. We have to see beyond ourselves in our double-mindedness, our sickness, our trials and lusts in this life. We have to see where they are originating from and how we can stop them. Our enemy, the devil, fights against us doing so at every moment. He has to have permission from God to sift us because God is in control, but he will violently. Now, when God was talking about sifting, it's not what we think of sifting with the little the white flower and just gentle shaking. I'm sure some, some of the older folks here that, that grew up farming would understand that to separate the grain from the stalk and the chaff, you had to shake it violently and basically tear the wheat apart. This is what he's talking about when people are going to be sifted. And that's how much Satan wants to sift you. And he has already done that in your lives. Luke 22, 31-32 says, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail, and when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. And how strong did Peter become because of that? How strong have we became because of the things that the trials that we went through in our lives? God allows us to be sifted so that we can build up spiritual toughness and become battle-hardened soldiers for Jesus Christ. Remember that Satan's army is ruthless, 
And the enemy constantly uses deception, our flesh, and this world against us. 2 Corinthians 2.11 says, Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. That's why we're having this series, so we can learn the tactics, the weapons, and how we can win in this fight. Satan wants us to follow him instead of God. Anybody that's not saved by Jesus is following Satan right now. We need to see the unsaved and also the deceived backslid Christians of this world, we need to see them as prisoners of war. Taken hostage by Satan and the evils of sin. We must do all that we can to save them and free them. We must infiltrate enemy lines to present the gospel of Jesus Christ to them and also to correct our fallen brothers and sisters. We as true Christians know that the war is already won by King Jesus. But if we lack in that knowledge and do not continue to fight the good fight of faith, we will be taken captive and will rapidly descend in the downward spiral of deception and sin that will cause us to become MIA, or missing in action, in the fight for the souls of men and for the protection of our own. How many times as Christians have we become missing in action? I know many times in my life, many times. And when that happens, we are rendered ineffective. And we do nothing for the kingdom of God. In those situations. Turn to Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6, 10 through 12. Ephesians 6, 10 through 12 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. That is going to be pounded into our minds who we are up against. That's not other people. Other people that come against us are used by the powers that are truly there. We have to remember that. That's why Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. He knew why Peter was acting that way. Our enemies are pure, unadulterated evil. Pure evil. If you have an enemy who is not only invisible, but evil and can deceptively masquerade as an angel of light, you are not going to be able to pacify this enemy. You cannot make concessions. You can't negotiate. You can't bargain. You cannot argue this enemy with logic. He's permanently and irreversibly evil. Turn to 2 Corinthians 4. 2 Corinthians 4, verses 8 through 12. 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 12 says, We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So that death is working in us, but life in you. It tries to crush us. Satan wants you to perceive that you're the worst Christian ever. Anybody ever felt that way? That they were the worst Christian ever? He's an accuser. But Jesus is our intercessor. 
You've listened to the devil's accusations for so long that you actually think that they are true. It's like we talk about the big lie in society. When it's told long enough, you start to believe it. The devil does the same thing. He tells you over and over in your mind, and then suddenly you, you believe it, that it's true. He wants to mute you, isolate you, and confine you so that you hide from the world under the rubble of the collapsing emotions and thoughts in your mind. The army of the devil never wants you to come out into the light of the Savior and taste the grace of repentance, forgiveness, healing, and the fellowship of his Holy Spirit. Satan wants to divide and conquer believers of Christ. Ephesians 4.27 says, Don't let the sun go down while you are angry and don't give the devil a foothold. And I know for married people that should be a verse that should be imprinted across our foreheads. Because I know I've had many a times where I should have done something, but my wife and I went to bed angry because of something stupid that I did, and I was too prideful to ask her for forgiveness. Satan and the fallen angels know human nature. They are immortal beings who have watched us from the beginning of creation. They've been watching us for thousands of years. They know exactly how we tick, how we work, what we like. They know our family histories. They've watched our ancestry. They know how we work. They will attack you mentally, physically, emotionally, through lusts and temptations, through your family and friends, through your church, through hormones and attitudes, through deceptions and lies. They do so uncompromisingly. Job was a righteous man, but he was so severely sifted by Satan that he asked in Job 3.11, Why did I not die at birth? Why did I not perish when I came from the womb? That is how destitute Satan got him to be. To where his own wife said, curse God and die. But Job wouldn't do it. King David said in Psalm 27.13, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. 1 John 3.7-8 says, Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. There is no middle ground, no gray area, no multiple choices. You guys hear me say this a lot, but there's good and evil. There's no almost good and almost evil. There's no neutral. You choose Jesus and become a child of God or you reject him and stay where you are now as a child of Satan. You belong to the devil and will be cast into the eternal lake of fire that awaits you in hell if you do not receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. This is not fantasy. This is as true as I'm speaking to you right now. Heaven, hell, God, Satan, Jesus, they all exist. Repent and ask Jesus to save you right now. Do not send yourself to hell. Cry out to God and he will give you a new life that lasts forever. Hear me. Listen. When someone you know is high on drugs or laid out drunk on a sidewalk or on the floor, that girl who had sex for a man hoping for love, but she's left alone, the man who's lost his job and his wife and his children, the soldier who's come home to a different life than what they knew, all of these people being tormented by the fallen angels, these demons of darkness that run through their bodies by the hundreds or thousands, telling the drug addict, this feels so good, I need more and more. But all he truly needs is a Bible instead of a pipe or a pill. They mislead the drunk to the liquor store to drown his addiction more and more and more. 
But all he needs is a cup of communion with Christ and the living water that satisfies. They betray the girl who longs for love and the demons whisper to her, that guy is the one. Believe what he says, he means you no harm. But all she needs is someone to tell her that Jesus is the only true love she will ever find. That man who's lost everything has the demons telling him to end it all. There's nothing left for him, that his children will be better off without him. But all he needs to know is God is with him and can restore all things. They torment the veteran who's come home from temporal war and told that they fought for nothing, that their country that they defend with their lives hates them, and they are attacked physically and mentally nonstop. But all they need to be told is that they could fight the good fight for the King of Kings, that the spiritual enemies we face are the greatest of all time, that we have guaranteed victory of heavenly proportions without politics and agendas of sinful men, that we need fighters like them to stand beside us in the greatest battle in the history of the universe, that the throne and rulership of Christ will never end. They all need to hear that he will save them and heal their minds and their bodies, and they will be glorified warriors when Jesus Christ returns. These are those who we seek, speak to, and pray for, everyone. Those who have no defense other than our prayers on the seas of Christ that we plant within them. But where we fail, we plant the seeds, but we can still fail. God's intervention will save them. You have to see it as all these fallen angels parade around these lost people. Picture just running through them, around them, hovering over them, just like they do us, whispering in our ear. It's not some little cute devil on your shoulder. Think of this monstrous being behind you telling you, do what you want. God's angels sit on the perimeter and wait. They're waiting for someone to reach out to the lost and preach Christ to them. Waiting for them to hear the good news of Christ and then they scream out in faith with all of their being, Jesus, save me. And then the angels of God will unsheath their swords and overtake the demons of Satan who must flee from the mighty name of Jesus and the presence of the Holy Spirit who has now descended upon them and has sealed them and secured them for eternity. But the battle will rage on. Are you breathing right now? That's how real this is. It is trying, invisible, and perilous. We need to take our sword, our armor, and our protection of the Almighty God very, very seriously and be made strong in the Lord Jesus Christ. We must hold the line. The church is the only thing holding this world together anyway. That's why we must hold the line. Whose side are you on? The side of heaven or the side of hell? If you say heaven, then that can only happen if you have received salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. If you have not given your heart truly and totally to Christ, then you're still a slave for the armies of hell. It is what it is. Heaven or hell. But if you don't have a relationship with Christ, you still have time to be on the winning side. The victorious Jesus Christ, if you turn to him before it's too late. Now as the great hymn says, onward Christian soldiers marching us to war. With the cross of Jesus going on before. Christ the royal master leads us against the foe. Forward into battle, see his banners go.